Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. I'm Leslie Langnaw, your host. 2020 was an eventful year for the additive manufacturing industry that no one predicted. The coronavirus pandemic practically shut down the global supply chain, but these gaps in supply, especially for personal medical protection equipment, were initially met through the efforts of users of 3D printing and additive manufacturing systems. The spotlight on the additive industry gave it a boost in attention. So what might be on the horizon for 2021? What are experts predicting for the coming year? A number of additive vendors and service providers are giving their predictions. With me today is Greg Kress, CEO of Shapeways. Greg has been CEO since 2017. Most recently, he was president and COO of Open Education, where he was responsible for turning strategy into operational and financial success as the business expanded to more than 400,000 students in 25 countries, supported by over 1,200 employees. We're going to go into a bit more depth on the Shapeways 2021 predictions based on insights from industry insiders, strategic partners, and high-profile business and consumer customers. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to uh, be on the show. You recently published a report on trends in 2021. And on one of those items that you saw as a key trend was software. So what specifically are customers seeking when it comes to 3D printing software? That's a great question. You know, ultimately, Shapeways is a digital manufacturing platform, which has really digitized and connected the end-to-end manufacturing flow uh, from a technology perspective. And so there's been a tremendous amount of investment taking place on the design design side, developing files, getting them prepared for uh, manufacturing ability. And then there's a lot of work that's been done on the machine side where individual machines are now digital and connected to a network and things like that. But that flow end to end is what really has not been digitized. And that's what Shapeways does. And so Shapeways sees our software investments and the software that we've built inside the company is really our differentiator. Um, it's allowed us to produce, you know, over 21 million parts in uh, over 90 different materials and finishes across 10 different technology production technologies for over a million customers and delivering them to 130 countries. So just a tremendous amount of breadth and scale. And, um, and you're going to see that more and more as more people enter into 3D printing. They're going to find that what 3D printing offers is the ability to manufacture either incredibly complex parts um, or designed parts or allow you access to this idea of low volume production and which creates very complex one piece workflows. Um, and to be able to do that at scale requires digitization, requires software to truly differentiate yourself um, so that you can actually do it economically um, at a right price level for your customers. And so we see that continuing as a trend. And I think it's been one of our things that uh, when I look at the people in the space and when I look at um, our peers in the space, the ones that perform the best are the ones that have that truly differentiated software platform that enables them to do this at scale. As far as this digitization software, can you list a couple of specific features? Because I know our audience is probably very familiar with the STL language, and there's been some programs about looking inside certain additive technologies to see what's going on. So what is it with digitization software that differentiates itself 
from like those areas? Yeah, that's a great question. I think if you take a step back and you think about the process of a file flowing end to end through production, the idea of being able to upload it to a website and to be able to configure that product across technologies and materials and, and being able to identify different finishes and certifications that are required to go along with that and then different delivery speeds, it starts to become very complex. And so that, that instantaneous pricing and getting access to uh, a purchase process that takes seconds versus you know, months, um, I think is one differentiator that you know, is kind of the kickoff of the process. Um, as that continues, you know, Shapeways is integrated into a ton of third-party platforms. So if you're managing files on another site or if you're managing an e-commerce website or if you have a, an ERP system, we integrate directly into those platforms. And so as those files come through, get configured, we're checking for printability and ensuring that, that the file is actually manufacturable. We're helping adjust the file's design and making sure that file's ready. And then we have to actually go allocate all that demand out to our supply chain. And our supply chain is made up of a ton of different cells of internal manufacturing. Plus we have some overflow manufacturers that work with us, but getting that actually sent out to that manufacturing network is actually quite complex and to do it efficiently on every single part uh, to optimize basically the cost structure of that part um, is we really rely on technology to go do that. We then have our own tray planning software internally where we're creating incredibly dense trays to optimize the efficiency and asset utilization of our products. Um, we have very complex manufacturing execution system that manages the one part flow end to end with 100% traceability. And then ultimately that all comes together with, you know, delivery to an end customer, right? And so Shapeways may have a company that may be using Shapeways as a service, but ultimately we're delivering to their end customers. And so we're delivering to millions of customers out there and, all, you know, that supply chain and warehousing, we're, you know, as part of that, we're also doing assembly and certifications and, and fit testing and all of the work that kind of goes into delivering it in a custom box to the end customer. Um, and so that complex end-to-end -end workflow is really what Shapeways enables to happen. And of course, additive manufacturing is the true differentiator to go do that economically. Um, and it's one of the key reasons why we, we lean into that technology as much as we do. So digitization is more of a name for end-to-end -end flow from when the designer finishes their part and sends it over to a service provider. And that's correct. And part. all the way through manufacturing. And so, and if you think about it, that, that part should never have to be downloaded. It should never, a file never should have to be uploaded to something. It should be able to connect directly all the way through to the machine, all the way to the end customer. And so what we're doing is trying to remove all of this non-digital aspects of what manufacturing is today. And if we think about manufacturing in general, you know, 90% of manufacturers out there today are small and say mid-sized manufacturers that don't really have access to technology and they're really relying on this more manual or paper-driven, very, what I'll call manufacturing 1.0, right? It's very traditional um, from a process perspective and the amount of productivity gains and efficiencies that can take place and the, the use of real data that comes out of the end and flow by digitizing the process is staggering. And that's really the premise of 
digitalization or industry 4.0 or digital manufacturing that you hear so many buzzwords around, it's, it's because that truly could unlock a, a massive amount of innovation for the overall industry. So now imagine the, the design engineer, they're at their computer, they're doing their CAD program. So at what point does this digitization software impact them? Yeah, so ultimately, I mean, there's a couple things that happen. Today, it's not every manufacturer is created equal. Um, so some manufacturers have some levels of certification, some have certain materials or certain technologies. The work that it takes for an, an individual designer to go and get access to the full capabilities of what are out there today requires know-how. Um, it requires just brute force of them trying to figure that out. What Shapeways does is we aggregate a lot of that information together. And so we offer a very wide range of offerings that you know we do probably about 70% of our manufacturing internally and the other 30% we use that long-tailed supply chain to go and help support us. Um, but we give a ton of accessibility to that design engineer and allows them to really broaden the scope or the aperture of their design perspective to a much broader use of solutions that may be in place. Um, the other thing that you'll see is that with some of the design software, you're able to get instant printability checks and instant pricing and instant uh, you know, purchase direct out of those softwares. And so with Shapeways, we've been in discussions with a lot of the design platforms to just integrate our service directly into their platforms and really smooth and fully integrate the full end-to-end -end process. And so those are some of the benefits that an individual designer would see as we continue down this journey of digitization. Sounds like there's some time savings there. Yeah, yeah. Just tons of efficiency as well. I think like when you're designing a part, getting feedback almost instantaneously about that part where you may be designing something and getting instant pricing updates or instant uh, printability checks mm -hmm. as you're going through that process versus this start and stop process that kind of exists today. Yeah. Your report also mentions that there's going to, you're predicting more interest uh, from venture capitalists. So now how would this venture capital impact a person using a 3D printer to develop designs? What, does, yeah, what will so that think, mean for them? Yeah, so for an individual, I think the idea that venture capital is going into um, the additive space from a hardware perspective, a material innovation perspective, and then also services really just speaks to the advancement of the true potential of what additive manufacturing can deliver. And if you really take a step back, what we're all trying to do is produce parts, right? That's what every customer ultimately wants is a finished product. And I think what additive manufacturing continues to prove is that as more and more technologies come online, as more and more materials become available and as more and more services make that truly accessible to the end user, you're able to see a tremendous amount of innovation taken. And so venture capital is constantly thinking about and growth equity is constantly thinking about where the market is going to be five, 10 years from now and trying to help influence where that market is going and, and accelerate that innovation that could take place. And, and that's, you know, anytime you're seeing venture capital go into a market, it's a good sign that the end customer is going to feel a ton of innovation um, and get access to something that they may never have been able to get access to before. Now, you also mentioned uh, about the supply chain and that that's going to be one of the trends that we see efforts to improve the supply chain. Now, how is that going to impact a design engineer who's at his CAD station coming up with some new idea, a new product? 
Yeah, I think a couple things. One, I think every large producer of anyone that manufactures a product, anyone that has a product is questioning the way their supply chain is built. Um, I think COVID and what happened in 2020 has forced everyone to rethink their risk profiles and how they think about their supply chains. And, and I think the, the focus on flexibility and agility and being able to move quickly becomes more important than maybe it has, has been in the past. And I think as you think about digital manufacturing and additive, those are, those are lean in and, and definitely meet the needs of what that, that higher level of agility requires. Um, and so what you, when I think about the individual engineer that's designing a part and, and how this idea of flexibility and agility uh, fits into them, you know, when you're traditionally made, like designing a part for, say, injection molding, you'll go through a process of iterating and prototyping an individual mold for months, mm-hmm. getting it just perfect because that the amount of investment that needs to take place to get that perfect is incredibly high because you're going to go then produce a million parts with that, right? And you're going to have to live with the consequences of that design. Um, you're not going to be able to move or change quickly. You're not going to be able to adjust to changing design needs driven by customers changing requirements, or you're not going to be able to go get that part fulfilled by multiple locations because you're you know, basically signing up with a, a specific manufacturer. And I think what you'll see is that those designers are going to require um, manufacturers to be more flexible, uh, have higher agility, be able to move and pivot more, more quickly to adapt to you know, dramatic changes in the environment like we saw this last year. And as I think about Shapeways and I think about additive manufacturing and digital manufacturing, I think what you'll see is those are technologies that really bode well for that solution um, and those requirements. And so what, you know, I think that's what you'll see is a lot of the, the, the way you approach design and the way you approach uh, the development of products um, will continue to change because customers' expectations continue to rise. And added manufacturing and digital manufacturing really provide a much more flexible solution that can go meet those customer needs. So as a company that is very involved in various supply chains, what have you done or what have you noticed in this past year that has changed your business model a bit? You know, I, to be honest, Shapeway's business model hasn't dramatically been affected this year. Um, we may have seen some changes in volume or buying behavior from our end customers, but Shapeway's was always kind of built for this, right? You know, Shapeway's was built from the ground up with purpose-built software for this idea of incredible levels of flexibility and one-piece manufacturing. Um, and we are manufacturing facilities that we have internally and in our supply chain are built with that in mind. And so if anything, I think what this year has proven is that our business model can stand up against these types of situations. And so what you saw probably was our adaption to what customers were coming in and what those customers needed and what certifications were required, what FDA approvals or certain level of certifications for different applications were required for some of the immediate Um, needs that customers were seeing. But in reality, our fundamental business model very much remained the same. Um, We are continuing to be a digital manufacturer rooted deeply in additive manufacturing 
to meet those those immediate needs of customers as they come in. So like we kind of, if anything, this year proved out that our business model is exactly what the market needs um, and where the market is going. Okay. Now, were there any insights from the people that you interviewed for these predictions? Did any of their insights surprise you? I think there's a, some varying concerns on how long the ramifications of COVID are going to last. You know, as, as much as we want to be optimistic about the vaccine and things like that, I do think that the ramifications of how this is impacting individual businesses and their product development cycles and their time and focus and investments, uh, the ripple effects of what happened this year is going to continue on through all of next year. And I think that was probably the, the, the biggest thing that continues to stand out is that as much as some of the immediate impact of COVID may be close to coming to a close within the next maybe three to six months with a vaccine, there's still some underlying concerns that, that had big impacts on businesses globally. And so, and those businesses are my customers. And so ultimately I think that will continue to be in, a big piece of our business. Um, and that was something that, you know, as much as we all want to be an optimist and just kind of move forward from it, I think that is the one lingering effect. Well, thank you very much for your time, Greg. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.